This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Whether it's a refugee crisis, a school shooting, the latest climate report, partisan divisions in Washington, police brutality, a natural disaster, or something else, it's safe to say that if you follow the news, you have likely felt mentally, physically, or emotionally sickened by all of it at some point. Is the news stressing you out? Sure, there are advantages to living in this age of globalized and instant communication, but the burnout from the 24-7 nonstop news cycle is real, and much of the frustration circles right now around the current dysfunction and fighting in Washington. Two people with very different perspectives who both think a lot about the damaging effects of our rapid-fire media landscape join me now to talk about this. And as always, we want to hear from you. Is the news stressing you out these days, making you feel literally sick or causing you to lose sleep? What are the stories that really get under your skin and why? And are the topics that bother you most the ones that could affect you the most? As always, the number on the phones here is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there. Or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Call us and tell us what your relationship is with the outlets that provide you with information these days. Do you feel almost as if it's an intrusion each day to keep up with the news, as bad as it is, as acrimonious as it often is? The two people that we've got to help lead this conversation are really, really great, and I am really looking forward to talking with both of them. Kevin Smith is the Olson Chair and Professor of Political Science at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Kevin, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks for having me on. Yes. Also with us is Dr. Shannon Chavez-Corral. She is the Chief Academic Program Director at the Michigan School of Professional Psychology. Dr. Chavez, welcome to Detroit Today. Hello. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. So, uh, Kevin, I'm going to start with you. You were one of the leaders in gathering and making sense of this new research that came out of the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, which looked at the effects of participating in and tuning into America's political discourse. Talk about some of your key findings. Okay. So the study that we did, um, what we did is, is we basically asked um, a, a fairly large representative sample of Americans how they thought politics was affecting them. And the results that we got were kind of eye-opening, or at least eye-opening to us. So um, according to our results, 40% of Americans say that politics is stressing them out. A quarter of Americans say that they get depressed when their favorite candidate loses. A quarter of Americans say they spend more time thinking about politics than they would like. Um, more than one in 10 say that politics has adversely affected their physical health. Uh, one in five say that it's damaged a friendship. One in 20 say they've even um, had thoughts of suicide because of politics. So, you know, we all knew that politics was is kind of like a, a difficult and polarized landscape right mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. But at least if you believe the results of our survey, it indicates that um, politics is taking a pretty significant toll on the 
emotional, psychological, social, and maybe even physical health of Americans. And and talk about whether that's something that's different today. And if it is, is it because media are different in the way that we handle these things, in the way that we are sort of omnipresent in a way that we haven't been before? Or is it that politics have changed and become more acrimonious and sort of zero sum? And so that is the driver. Or is it maybe a combination of both of those things? Yeah, those are all really good questions. Um, Unfortunately, the data that we have, which was sort of like a snapshot taken at one point in time, can't really answer those questions. But, I mean, everything that you said sounds like a reasonable hypothesis to me, Stephen. I mean, clearly politics is more divisive and polarized than it's been even in the recent past. And certainly with the rise of um, online and social media, that, uh, I mean, at a minimum, we can say that hasn't done anything to calm those divisions down. So those are all reasonable hypotheses. You know, the difficulty in answering the sort of questions that you're asking is that, well, there are other surveys out there historically. You know, the American Psychological Association has done one of these that have asked single questions here and there about whether politics is is stressing you out. As far as we are aware, um, you know, the study that we did is the only one that really sort of like takes a comprehensive inventory of the negative effects of politics on people's social and psychological lives. So, I mean, if I had to speculate and say, yes, this is probably worse than it was in the past, but we really haven't got any data to to, to, to verify that. Hmm. Uh, Dr. Chavez, uh, the Trump administration takes up a lot of the news coverage that we see mm-hmm. every day, but it's more than just about this administration and what the president said or what policies they might be pursuing. It gets to much deeper issues like racism and sexism and classism. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a few examples of the things I think you can find at the center of these headlines. Talk about what you've noticed as far as the effects of these things coming up so frequently in the news cycle. Sure. Um, I, I think it's clear, like when we turn on the news, we see um, microaggressions perpetuated through various media outlets. Um, but but I think the way that uh, news is delivered makes a huge difference in terms of how people receive it. Mm-hmm. And there are different bodies of research in psychology that help us make sense of of, or consider uh, the toll that news and, and um, maybe microaggressive um, uh, statements are having on our health. Some of that, some of those bodies of literature include, you know, issues of attention. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I'll start there. So in terms of issues of attention, you know, we're bombarded with email, um, uh, advertising, Twitter feeds, news blasts, so forth, it, in all directions. There's a competition for our attention, not only grabbing our attention, but sustaining our attention. And so, um, and we know that the brain is wired to pay attention to threats. That's just a natural, um, a, it's a survival instinct, and it's called negativity bias. So we, we tend to naturally, um, our attention is um, grabbed by um, maybe the threats that might resonate with us more, mm-hmm. right? And um, and and so the news there seems to be 
uh, more negative news, and it's shocking to grab our attention. So that's kind of an intentional piece. Um, but also from psychology, we know that the way we consume news can have an impact on how it affects us. So um, not only is this news, uh, maybe news more shocking and, neg and negative, but the, the multiple facets of our senses that are utilized in consuming the news affects how we're receiving it. So if it's a single facet, like you're reading it, um, you know, uh, or if you are um, listening to the radio, that's a single uh, facet of our senses mm -hmm. versus multiple senses, like when we're seeing and hearing things on television. Um, so, so the platform in which we consume, when more of our senses are triggered, then the um, then our risks for psychological distress are heightened. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I want to ask you both a question that that's inspired by a comment that we've got on Facebook. Dave on Facebook says, "I've had to put serious limits on the amount of news mm -hmm. I ingest every day. It was definitely impacting my health." I, you know, whenever I hear about things like this, I, I always wonder what's the solution. So, and, and I had this conversation this weekend with with relatives who were in town for the holiday. Uh, how much should we withdraw from the uh, the entire sphere of news sort of uh, uh, environment? I mean, if if you think about how often. Uh, you can watch the news and hear exactly what's happening at at any given moment. Uh, after a few days away from cable news, I had some relatives who said, oh, maybe we should take a look at what's going on. But then there was, of course, this discussion about how distressing all of the news always is. So I guess the question is, what is it that we're supposed to be doing? Should we be limiting our exposure to these stories and these issues or should we be drinking it in in a different way, I guess, mm -hmm, or, mm -hmm. or, or, or paying attention in a way that doesn't affect us in the same way? Mm -hmm. uh, Dr. chavez Corell, I'll start with you. Great. Thank you. I love this question. And I think for me, it pairs into two, two different re um, important responses. One is, I think as citizens, we have a social responsibility to tune in and know what's going on in our community. It's important that we are bearing witness to issues. Um, and with that said, self-care is also critically important. I, I don't think you can be an engaged citizen if you don't know the issues. And so, um, but again, paired with that is a need for self-care, like limiting the amount of news. Again, considering the facets in which we consume news. If it's something's highly personal, we might consider a single facet of, of uh, senses engaged, right? Like reading or listening to the radio when things are very stimulating for us. Um, also engaging in uh, having conversation with others about the news and, and balancing. When I talked about that negativity bias, you know, maybe just being mindful of we need to pair that with positive news as well. Like what's going on? in our communities that are that are that's working that's healthy that's resilient that's functioning we need to be in touch with that as well and so i think when we're aware of the negativity bias the the domains of senses stimulated and our social responsibility that can help us with self-care and keeping things in balance mm -hmm. uh, kevin smith uh, what what advice do you have for people who are feeling as though they're suffering from the exposure that they have to the news well, to start with, I think I'd um, uh, back up everything Dr. Chavez Correll just uh, said. Um, you know, the, the the issue here, though, is there's sort of like an underlying tension is in the sense that, you know, as part of democracy, you want citizens to be engaged and aware 
of what's going on in their government and in the political arena, but how do you do that in a way that doesn't sort of like, you know, have a, have a, have a negative uh, uh, feedback loop? Um, I'm not sure that I've got uh, any sort of like magical answer to that. The kind of prophylactic effects that we found in our study you know, the, the, the sorts of things that led to people having less of a negative effect on their social and psychological health tended to be more personality-based rather than uh, action-based. Mm. So, you know, people who were more emotionally stable and were more agreeable, for example, tended to um, report less of these negative effects. But it's, I mean, you can't really talk, tell someone, yeah, be more emotionally stable, be more uh, agreeable, because that's a, that's, that's a trait, not a state. You know, the, the, the bottom line to answer your question, Stephen, is, is I don't really know. This is something that we're paying attention to, and we've got plans in the works to try and see if we can figure out some of this stuff a little bit more specifically around what happens with the 2020 elections. Um, but, but, but right now I haven't got the one, two, three steps that, um, can sort of like mitigate these kind of effects, at least on a broad, broad mm-hmm. basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I also want to give you a chance, Kevin, to talk about the fact that you believe this is a public health crisis. Talk about how the political news has sort of risen to that level in your, in your judgment. Yeah, well, that's interesting. I mean, I'm not sort of like out here claiming this is a this is a public health crisis. This is something that came up in conversation with a number of people, including some of your colleagues in the media. Mm-hmm. And where I pointed out is if you replaced the word politics in our study with something like vaping was the example that I gave, and it was you know, we took our data at face value and said vaping is causing these kind of problems, what would the response to that be? And the general answer I got to that probe was, well, that would be a pretty significant public health problem. And this is something that has, you know, um, you know, we've been giving a good deal of thought to this. Um, you know, as someone who spent a big part of his adult life teaching young Americans or young citizens that they need to be engaged and that they need to be aware. Um, you know, have, have, have people like us really been pushing certain types of people into activities that have, you know, negative mental health costs? And, and the short answer, we just don't really know. I think we've got a lot to figure out here. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Chavez Corral, uh, you have also talked about uh, the sort of poverty-related stress that the news uh, is is causing in racial and ethnic identity development. Uh, how have you noticed the the news influencing these areas in people's lives? Yeah. Um, I, I love this question. Thank you. Um, so, in terms of you know any sort of facet of identity, the type of stress that the news might um, trigger for us. Earlier, I mentioned microaggressions when we feel that a facet of our identity is being negatively targeted. Um, you know, I think the media um, can be a platform for um, uh, for perpetuating that information. Um, but I also think that um, separate from the media, racism is a problem and it's it's making all of us sick, whether we're aware of it or not. And so when um, when, you know, people I think earlier you mentioned um, 
the number of microaggressions um, we hear Donald Trump speak on a weekly basis, um, I think that is a marker of an illness that's in society. And it's just risen to a point where I think um, the media allows the raising of this collective consciousness. Um, just like I think historically that's been the case. I, I think about in, the, in 1955 when Emmett Till's mother had an open casket funeral. Mm -hmm. And when that picture went across newspapers around the country, there was this collective consciousness raising that people could not deny that racism was alive and well and and the pain and the consequences of what that looked like. And that was um, an encounter experience, a consciousness raising experience for people of all races. Mm -hmm. And we know that that was a big tipping point leading into the civil rights movement. So I think there, you know, with the ills of media can also be this, um, this unveiling. Uh, and, and, and I think that's the part that's so difficult. You know, I once wrote a column about the similarity, I guess, between what Emmett Till's mother did to try to show the nation what was happening and what we're seeing now on the little screens that we all carry in our yeah. pockets. If you think of the footage of police officers brutalizing or killing people of color, sometimes for no reason at all and, and other times for very trivial reasons, it's it's like the Till photo that ran on on the front of newspapers. Absolutely, absolutely. I, and I think those are very um, um, similar. Um, and, and, and I think the, the impact it's having on communities, we see that as well being very similar. But I think at risk here is when we become complacent and check out. So again, it's keeping things in balance. How do we tune into the news in ways where we're informed? And I think considering the type of news we tune into is really important um, and, and where that news is coming from. But but tuning in and then engaging in our communities. I think that's a way to keep it in balance and healthy. Yeah. I want to take a quick phone call here. Uh, Terry in Detroit. Go ahead with your question. Good morning. It's kind of a question and a statement. I work in a public-facing position um, in an organization that takes phone calls from the community. These are particularly vulnerable people that need government assistance or assistance from nonprofits or other organizations. And since the 2016 election, there's been a noticeable increase in the stress level and the emotional um, uh, sort of chaos in the calls that we receive. I mean, we get people calling in, crying on the phone. They listen to news stories. They listen to threats about health care benefits and other things that have happened over the course of the last three years, and it affects them on a very personal level. Hmm. And so my question is, is how do we kind of get back to... Um, I mean, the news is part of it. Oftentimes, the phone, they'll hear something is going on on the news, and, and the, the phone calls just increase. People are internalizing what we hear there. Mm. And um, clearly, some of the news is out of balance, but it seems that people have forgotten how to keep it in balance, right. if right. that makes sense. Uh, Terry, I really appreciate the call and, and that perspective. Uh, Kevin Smith, we are uh, running out of time. We've got a, a couple minutes left, but I want to give you a chance to react to what she's saying. It seems to reinforce what you are hearing in the study that you uh, conducted about the way people are reacting. But that date, 2016, I think is critical here. Yeah, it was certainly what some of the comments that Terry made, um, you know, fit with, uh, you know, 
some of the stuff that we found in our study, um, you know, in, in, in terms of dealing with this sort of like 27, you know, full saturation media environment, um, that, that's certainly exacerbating uh, the sort of problems that we're, we're discussing here today. Um, you know, other than sort of like saying, you know, as Dr. Travis Carell said, in, engaging consciously and thinking about it rather than just mindlessly pulling mm-hmm. through your Twitter feed every mm-hmm. uh, every 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's the best way. That's the best way to approach this is just to try to get some perspective on uh, what's happening. And part and parcel of that is controlling your um, information and media consumption habits, which I fully recognize is easier said than done. (laughs) Right, especially when it's on your phone and in your pocket. Um, Right. (laughs) Okay, Kevin Smith, Olson Chair and Professor of Political Science at the University of Nebraska at Lincoln, and Dr. Shannon Chavez-Corell, Chief Academic Program Director at the Michigan School of Professional Psychology. It was really great to have both of you here for this conversation. We'll have to have you back to talk more about the ways that social media in particular, I think, is changing the way that we react to news. But I was really glad glad to have you both here. Great. Thank you. All right. That's going to do it for us today. Remember, it is Giving Tuesday. Show your support for independent journalism and wonderful music here on WDET. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station. Your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.